thankful that you are here today joining us for worship this morning at First Baptist Church of Cedartown. Uh, I know that I get a joy every time I can come and, and, and preach a message from God's Word and to uh, just invite the Holy Spirit to come and have His way uh, through a message and through song. And So choir, thank you so much. Martin, thank you for leading us. Uh, we appreciate you so much. You know, the Christmas time... Uh, I, I really, that's why I like to start as early as possible singing the Christmas songs because we only have about four or five weeks it seems like, but we ought to sing the Christmas songs all year round, right? Uh, it, it's just really uh, a joyful time of year and it's not because we get presents and that's all fun, but it's about Jesus Christ. And we've been in a series together as a faith family uh, that I entitled Journey to the Manger. Uh, I believe that... Um, you know, we, we talk about Christmas a lot, and I know that leading up to Christmas, the Christmas season and to the Christmas time, uh, there is a lot of planning and there's a lot of preparation. Uh, I'll go ahead and say that uh, it, it can be really the most busiest time of year. It can be a stressful time. It can be an overwhelming time. Whatever it might be in your life, my prayer for you is, is that you'll take some time to just slow down uh, take a moment, take some deep breaths, experience the reason and the joy of Christmas. I appreciate the Skaggs family coming up and, and, and lighting the, the candle this morning that represents joy uh, because we do have an indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. And we always must keep that front and center this Christmas. And, you know, whether you get what you want, uh, if it's under the Christmas tree or what, the, the joy should still remain, the joy of the Lord. Uh, he, it is our strength. It is the joy of the Lord that sustains us. And, and I say this a lot, in, at least this year, 2020. Uh, man, we, can't, we, we, need, we need Christmas, right? We need to focus on that. We need to focus on Christ this season. Uh, you know, forgetting, you know, we can't forget because it's always there, but 2020 has been difficult for so many of us and all of us in our own way. And so this Christmas, I want you to uh, take some time to reflect on Jesus Christ and, and find your joy in Him. And maybe not necessarily the stuff that this, this year brings us, right? Uh, uh, focus on Him. So let's join in prayer together this morning, and then we're going to open God's Word uh, today. Father, we love you. And God, we just want to pause now for this moment as we open your Word together to just invite you to come and just have your way in this, in this time, in this moment of worship as we, as we read the words, your own words, your very words, Lord. And we just invite you to speak to our hearts today and just have your way um, in, in this moment that, uh, God, you will just encourage us that, Lord, if hope is needed, God, provide it. Lord, if peace is needed in this moment, please, Lord, provide it. If healing is needed, Lord, you provide it today as only you can. And, and we, Lord, just will give you the glory for it. Lord, Christmas is so important. It's, it's about your son coming to earth the Word putting on flesh and dwelling among us. And God, we just are so thankful. Uh, we're grateful that we can just even have times like this, that we can acknowledge that joy uh, back to you and give you the glory you deserve. So, Lord, we, we, we pray that you have your way in this moment, and we pray you're glorified. For we pray it in the name that is above all names, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. If you have your Bibles today, I want to invite you to turn with me uh, back over. Uh, hopefully you've maybe kind of found your spot there in Isaiah chapter 9. We've been there the last couple of weeks as we've been journeying to, to Bethlehem. We've been journeying together to that first Christmas. 
Now, I, I know that when we read the, the narrative in the gospel there in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to get to part of that this morning, but when you read the narrative, it, it really happens pretty quick, right? When you read the gospels, when you read the Bible, uh, it happens fairly quick when you see uh, the coming to Mary and telling her the news that she's going to have a child. Uh, and then the next chapter, now they're journeying up to Bethlehem and uh, the, the taxation, the registration by Caesar is, is explained. And so it's a pretty quick journey through the Gospels. But when you really think about it, the journey to the manger began long ago. And, and we have, over the last two weeks, been able to just stop and pause for uh, at least a couple of weeks to just reflect that the journey to the cross, I mean, the, the manger, which eventually would go to the cross, um, began long ago. And, and here in Isaiah chapter 9, we have 700 years prior to Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Isaiah speaking to the people of God, experiencing what I would like to say a very difficult season of life. You know, we have experienced and continue to experience some difficulties in 2020, but, but I would say that the that the book of Isaiah points to a very difficult season in the life of Israel as well. Uh, the, uh, Isaiah even, even puts there that there is gloom and there is despair. There is national crisis going on. There is personal sin and, that's being dealt with. There is impending dangers coming from foreign armies. And the empire that they knew and uh, the life they once knew was really in jeopardy. So a lot of confusion, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unrest. And so in the midst of all of that uncertainty, a message of hope comes. A message of, of joy comes. A, a message of assurance comes that one day there's coming a time. And, and this time and this place and this circumstances is really going to be fulfilled in a baby, right? In a little small child being born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah chapter 9, we just sang about this glorious message here. It tells us in verse 6 and 7, it says, For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, the dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. And the Lord of armies will accomplish this. And so we understand from Isaiah that there is coming a day and this day will come to fruition through a child. It will be a, a child that will be born, but it will not be a typical child, would it? No, we know, we have history, we have the Bible to show us that, that this child was Jesus Christ. That what Isaiah is pointing to is that he is the Messiah. He is the one that we are waiting for. He is the one that's going to bring us out of these, these crises. He's the one that's going to bring us out of uncertainty. He's the one that's going to bring us hope. He's going to bring us joy again. And so as Isaiah was preparing God's people, we fast forward 700 years to the Gospels. We go from the prophetic times to then a time of darkness, a time of God being silenced for 400 years. And then on the scene comes 
John the Baptist who would, who would prepare, right? He would prepare later the, the, the ministry of Jesus, but some years then before that, in a little town called Bethlehem, there was going to be a Savior who was born, who was Jesus. And Luke gives us a wonderful account of that moment, that journey of Mary and Joseph. You see, it was a, uh, a scene that I often, uh, as I read this as a child, I, I recognized it. It all fit together so beautifully, right? The Holy Spirit and its opportunity to uh, illuminate guys like Luke who wrote down for us these gospels and other writers of the Bible who penned for us these words how it all came together and how it all linked together and how it all fulfilled the scriptures. And, and I often wondered how. But then I quickly learned that it was God's plan to put every detail and every circumstance all according to His plan and all according to His purposes. And here we read in Luke chapter 2 that there's a moment of time when Caesar puts out a decree. We read it here in Luke chapter 2. If you found your place, go over to Luke chapter 2. Turn with me there to the New Testament. I want to read the beginning part of the Christmas story, we like to call it, because it does. It encapsulates the story of the journey to Bethlehem, what all happens before and after worshiping Jesus. It says, In those days a decree went out of Caesar Augustus, that the whole empire, now keep in mind, in this day, the whole region that we would know as Israel today, it was the promised land of God's people, was occupied, it was ruled by the Roman Empire. And so Caesar was in charge. This was a particular Caesar, his name Augustus. And he put out this decree that everyone would be registered. Now this was a form of just like a census would be for us to know who's in your home, uh, who, where do you live, what's your occupation, very similar. But really the main driving force behind this census was money. Uh, if you had a certain amount of people, you had a certain uh, occupation, what would you do? You would pay taxes. We are used to taxes, we're used to registrations, we're used to census, we understand these. But here it is, a Roman census. And so it was to be that every person, no matter where you were, if you were working offshore or you were just close to your hometown, you had to go back home. And you had to give an account for who you are, where you're at, what you're doing, who's in your home. Very similar. We know how that works. And so here it is that Mary and Joseph, engaged to be married, find themselves living in Nazareth. And this, sense, I mean, this decree comes. It says this here, so that everyone went, verse 3, each to his own town. And then Joseph and Mary, keep in mind, Mary had been visited. We already talked about that last week. She was visited. She was told, what? You're about to have a child. The problem is Mary was only engaged. She had not uh, had any physical relationship with her fiancé. And she's like, this must be impossible. How can this happen? He explains how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, right? You're going to conceive of the Holy Spirit a child. So here it is, Joseph engaged to be married, uh, married to Mary, and here it is, she is 
greatly pregnant. She's to this point, I like to say, is really the only time I'll ask a lady that she's pregnant. She is very visible. She is out there, right? Because the worst thing you can do as for anybody is to say, when are you due, right? I'm not going to admit I've ever been there, but it will happen. And I promise you, you will get a dirty look quickly. She was greatly pregnant. There is no questioning the fact that she was about to have a child. So it says they went up from Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of, Joseph he, was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary who was engaged to him and was pregnant. So we get the picture, right? This is the journey that we all have learned if you've grown up in any church or you've read the Christmas story you have seen this depicted we will show a bit of this this weekend in our living nativity we're going to see Mary we're going to see Joseph we're going to see the shepherds and it's going to be a, a beautiful picture here but here it is they get the news and they must return to Bethlehem now I want to just say this was not an easy journey this is not a a typical go down to the airport, jump on Delta, Southwest, American Airlines. It's not one of those type of things. It's not just hopping in your car with your air conditioning and all your conveniences of modern day and going. If you've ever been pregnant, you know that can be a difficult time, that late time of, of pregnancy. And so here it is. They get on what I like to call a one donkey powered vehicle. You'll laugh later. Um, get on the donkey, maybe a horse, but most likely a mule or a donkey. We always picture it that way. And they set off to Bethlehem. And, and I want to just tell you the, the idea there uh, of riding for any amount of time on a donkey is one thing, but to be pregnant at that time, would you ladies agree? That would not be a good option. I remember the first time I went to Israel back in 2012. Heather and I were so excited, not the fact that we're going to be in the Holy Land, but we were going to get to ride camels. We're going to go on a camel drive, not just a, a, a cattle drive, but a camel drive. So our entire group, we were down in the Negev Desert, just the southern part of Israel, and we get off the bus and we just see them. They're waiting on us. They're like, here comes Americans with their dollars ready to ride these camels. And that's what we did. And I remember the first two, three hundred yards, I had my cell phone out. And I have it. I would just show it to you, but I'll maybe do that later. I remember just so overjoyed videoing my camel. I think I married, I, I, I didn't marry the camel. But anyway, I named the camel uh, Sarah. Now, this is funny. I said, okay, I'm riding Sarah. I gave it a name. First two, three hundred yards, got to about a quarter mile. And then I'm like, we're not getting anywhere closer to the bus. We're only going further, up a hill, down these little areas. And I'm like, this was fun the first quarter mile. But how much further do we have? And so that journey just became an ordeal. And for me, I'm like, please take me back, because here you go. You're just like this. That was my experience. But I think about Mary, pregnant, maybe sitting side saddle on whatever animal it was to take her up to Bethlehem. We already looked last week that God had favored Mary to even choose her. God had a special plan for her to be able to allow her to conceive this child and to 
bring it to birth. So Mary had a special place. I would love to say that maybe reading the scripture, I often forget that there's a supernatural element to it, that the Holy Spirit maybe just made that trip not as bad for Mary. Maybe he was able to comfort her or just maybe give her a Dramamine and she fell asleep somehow. I don't know. But God maybe was able to, and I know he sustained her to get her to that place. But it's important to note that going to Bethlehem, that's the key. Bethlehem is the key because when we read the scriptures, we know that nothing happens without God's purpose. And when we read the scriptures, I often say, without the old, we're not informed of the new. You know, it, does, it, it informs us of the new. The Old Testament offers us a beautiful picture of what is to come. And when we see the New Testament fulfilling all of it in Christ. And so here we are, Mary and Joseph, going to Bethlehem. It's important to note Bethlehem is because David, this was King David's hometown. This is where David was from. And so Joseph, being in the lineage of David, which is very important also because when we read back in Isaiah's account, it says that his kingdom will what? Be forever. Not like an earthly kingdom that would rise up and fall. The kingdom that God is establishing, the covenant that he made with David, was going to be a covenant that what? Would last forever. And it would be fulfilled through Jesus Christ, who was an offspring of the king. And so the journey was tough. The times were busy because of this national census. And they get to Bethlehem. Now, why is Bethlehem important? Well, Bethlehem's important because... Bethlehem is also mentioned by Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, when he tells us that Bethlehem, even though you are small among the clans of Judah, one will come from you. Get that. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel. For me, his origin, get this, is from antiquity, from ancient times. Who is he speaking of? He's speaking of the Messiah. He's speaking of the Christ. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. It's so important that we note that, that this journey for Mary and Joseph was very intentional. It was very laser-focused, and God would have had it no other way. As much as we think about all these occurrences and all the things that were going on in this time, because Bethlehem was full, every hometown, just think about it, everybody's traveling at one time. There is a time frame to get this done. You must leave your home pretty quickly to get to your home. So people are crossing in the road. People are, you're just seeing people all over the countryside moving. It's kind of like downtown Atlanta at, at, at get off time, right? Just everywhere, but most likely not because there weren't that many people there. But nevertheless, busy time. And so you go to Bethlehem. Micah's talking about it. Something special's coming to Bethlehem, right? Well, Yes, we're right. I want to teach you something this morning. I've shared it here before, but if you missed it, I want to just show you how important this is. The word Bethlehem is, is so important. The town, the city, it's so important because why? There are two Hebrew words that make up the name Bethlehem. One being bait, the Hebrew word bait, that means house. And then the second word is lechem, which we get the word bread from in the English. And when you put those together... Bethlehem becomes the house or city of bread. Now, why is that important? 
is because Bethlehem is, is not a place to where you go buy your bread. It's not talking about or referring to bread that you might bake in the oven. But, but when Jesus himself in John chapter 6 says this, he says, I am the bread of life. What is he saying? He came from Bethlehem, right? He was born in the house of bread. And when Jesus in John 6, 35 said, I am the bread of life and no one who comes to me will ever hunger again. Not just hunger again, will never thirst again. And why is this so important? Again, God's plan is perfect. Again, God's plan for the Messiah to come at Christmas and we celebrate, we have celebrated for centuries is all because God was sending a Savior to the world. And he came for us. He, he came to bring hope to hopeless situations, to bring peace to people's lives, to bring joy again, to restore and you, want to, you don't want to know something? God can still do that for you and for me today. That's why Christmas is not just really a one-time-a-year thing. It should be celebrated every day because we ought to celebrate Jesus' coming to this earth. It ought to be something that's so special to us because we understand without Him coming, He could have never lived a perfect life nor ever went to the cross for our sins. So wonderful to know. When Jesus says that I am the bread of life, you'll never hunger again. I know personally I've never been starving. I've never been to the point of not knowing where my next meal. It might not be I know where it's coming from or even what, but I have a choice in that matter most likely. I've never been to that point where there, I had no access or means to food. And most of us in America probably have never been there. But some have. Some in our community probably do but never to the point of, of starvation or hunger. We've maybe had those occasional hunger pains of skipping a meal or that headache that comes on because you're trying to get on the latest and greatest diet fad of going without sugar or bread, right? That's why I always have trouble with uh, you know, the keto diets there that say don't eat bread. And uh, I'm like, well, I love bread. I, I love those things. Uh, I need to maybe insert Christ more into my life at that point, maybe. I don't know. I digress. The reality is this. We live in a world today where people are hungry and they're thirsting. And we're filling our lives up with all this world. Essentially what I'm saying. But Jesus has come. The baby who was the Christ has come. And he offers to every one of us the bread of life. He offers to every one of us the spiritual nourishment that we need. He offers us eternal life. The scripture in John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know that's what the world needs? At Christmas, that's what we need to focus on, is that he has come and he has given us provisions, not just for today, but for eternity. There may be some here this morning who are still hungering, trying to fill their life with all this world has to offer, but you've never tasted and experienced the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Those who may watch this or listen to this one day, 
you may still be right where you are. Your hunger is so large. You're starving spiritually. You're starving because you don't have any hope. You're starving because you, you're trying to figure out life. And I want to tell you, you're not going to figure your life out. Christ has already gone before us. We just need to follow him and let him lead us and guide us in that area. You're never going to fix all your problems. I often hear people say, I'll come to church when I figure it all out and I fix myself. I clean my act up. Can I just tell you, that'll never happen. It'll never happen. Because you come and you worship and you allow the Spirit of God through His Word, through the Holy Spirit in your life, He is the one that will change you and transform you. That's why the Bible says, when we come to Christ, we, are, we become a new Creature, We come a new creation. All things that are old, they're gone. Behold, the new has come. No greater joy for me this Christmas season than to see men and women, boys and girls, come to faith in Jesus Christ. Be born again. Hunger no more. Yeah, lunch will come, dinner will come, breakfast will come. But that spiritual hunger, that is a problem for so many can be filled today. Can be filled today if you just truly believe. I believe that's what makes Christmas so special is that it reminds us, it takes us back to the basics of where it all began. Salvation began for us in Bethlehem. Salvation for us began when, you know, when God from long ago chose to redeem us, to make right that wrong that was made all the way back in the Garden of Eden, back in Genesis chapter 3. He chose that path of redemption would be through His Son. I don't know about you, but that brings me in awe to who our God is and how much He loved me and how much He cares for me. And do you know He cares for every one of you that same way? He loves you that much that He sent His only Son on that first Christmas to Bethlehem. What a journey it was for Mary and Joseph, but all to fulfill God's perfect and holy plan. Do you know him as your Savior? Have you trusted him? Have you filled your life with, with much of him and not something else? Are you still longing for something that you can't find in this world, if you are still at that place, I would invite you today to come to Christ, to make Him Lord of your life. To say, Lord, I, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. But I believe what that preacher's saying. I believe that you can forgive me. And you know what He'll do? He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. Will you allow Him to do that today? Father, we love you. And we thank you for your love for us. God, it was so demonstrated by the very fact that you chose to send your son. He put aside heaven to come to earth for us. But you did it, Lord, for a mission. It was a mission to rescue us. It was a mission to give us hope, to give us joy, to give us peace again. God, if there's any out there today that is longing to find those various things, 
would they just, Lord, acknowledge they can't do it themselves, and Lord, that they would just feel your spirit even now tug at their hearts and understand that they can't do it alone, but they want to let go and let you, Lord, take over and live for you today. God, we thank you for our church. Lord, we thank you for all that's a part of it. God, we thank you for the mission that we have to, to make much of you in this community and the nations. God, just continue to bless us and use us and provide for us everything we need, Lord, to, to accomplish this work. Not for our glory, Lord, but for yours, we pray. In the name that is above all names, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you have.